The other thing that happened, and I think I touched upon it in the PMX talk, was the fact that um, I had a really, for me, one of my most important uh, interviews was with Brendan McDonald, of the uh, producer for WTF with Mark Marin. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, th- th- another tip here is sometimes you just have to ask because you never know. I had heard him on The Wolf Den, and the, that episode was about a year old, and I literally just tweeted him, but I tweeted at, you know, Brendan McDonald, his, his Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, producer uh, McD, I think it is, and I said, and then I and I tweeted though, you know, I included the Wolf Den, and then he responded. He's like, "Oh, thanks, you know, that interview, that some of that information was a bit old." And I said, "Well, would you be interested in coming on?" I mean, immediately the light bulb went off. I'm like, "Well, how about you come on my show?" And he said, "Yeah, that would be cool." The thing I didn't know was this was <laughs> a week before the Obama interview, mm-hmm. and so I was like, "He's like, yeah, I'll be busy for the next couple of weeks," and I was like, yeah, <laughs> "I wonder what he's busy with." And it's <laughs> and so, on vacation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. come on. What could possibly be more important coming on my show? (laughs) Podcast Junkies, episode 92. My name is Harry Duran. I'm the host of said podcast. And every week we speak to interesting podcasters across the podverse, the pod universe, podotopia, whatever you want to call it, this crazy, crazy spectrum of fantastic, uh, uh, fantastic hosts with fantastic guests, fantastic topics, fantastic shows, in my opinion. And um, there's no way I'm going to be able to speak to every single one of them. I think if I tried to talk to every podcast host and I had one on per day, seven days a week, uh, it would take me probably a couple of years to get through all of them. And so um, I do the best that I can. And I try to find people that are engaging um, and who I resonate with, because I think that excitement is going to come through and it's going to make for a much more interesting show. So Last week, we spoke to Jason Parsons, a.k.a. The Angry Ginger, host of Podcasting 101 and Seven Days a Geek. If you don't know who Jason is, he's been podcasting since 2008, so I would put him in the veteran podcaster category. If you hadn't had a chance to listen to that, uh, it's podcastjunkies.com slash 91. So this week, uh, because it's uh, Memorial Day weekend and taking a little bit of a rest and heading out to hear some uh, electronic music, and longtime listeners will know that I'm a big-time fan, we head on over to the Detroit Electronic Music Festival. So I'll be uh, in the midst of that probably when this episode comes out. So um, I'll be thinking of you guys as well. So this week, we're going to do a podcast elsewhere, Rewind, and it's an interview that I... Um, was on uh, a show that I was on. It was an interview with David Mooring of the Remarkable Podcast, and I really like what David did. Uh, he he takes uh, his show really seriously. He took a, a, about a year to launch, and what I thought was interesting is there was a couple of points in there um, that really resonated with me and why I think it was relevant to release that now here. One of the things is podcast movement is coming up, and I actually met David at Podcast Movement after a PMX talk. He came and we chatted in the hallway, and that led to me eventually being on his show. Uh, We focused in the beginning how um, the inspiration for me was born out of an entrepreneurial uh, itch to scratch around DJing. Um, So again, tying that back in, so we dig a a little deeper on that. And then... We also talk about my origin story, and I, and I know I've touched upon it in different points uh, on this show, but it's nice to hear it all concise, and for lo- new listeners of Podcast Junkies, I think they'll find it really interesting. 
And then the other thing that I thought was relevant was uh, the opportunity for me every once in a while to give you the current state of Podcast Junkies and have something like this interview be a moment in time as a way to measure progress. Because a lot of times we get frustrated. We look back a week ago or a month ago and we're like, wow, I, I just, I'm not seeing movement here. And I tend to do that myself. And, and this podcast now has been going on for two years, which sort of blows my mind. But it's nice to see the story of what I was talking about in the beginning, the, that first year, if you will, is much different than what I was talking about in year two. And as I enter year three, what are the challenges? You can hear the things that I, are working, not working. And so it's nice. It's nice to have that snapshot in time uh, for Podcast Junkies. So I think I'll be doing more of that. So please uh, stay tuned for a uh, retention hashtag. We're still going to have one at the end of this show. And then I'll also share uh, some information about our, our newest sponsor, Cast Source. And um, a shout out to some of the folks who have been engaging with me on Twitter. I recently asked uh, people to share where they were listening to the podcast. Um, and so I've got some folks on Twitter who responded, and I'll, I'll read some of those out at the end of the interview. So enjoy uh, my interview, courtesy of David Mooring on The Remarkable Podcast. Harry, welcome to the Remarkable Podcast. Uh, I really appreciate you taking time to, to join me today. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm really appreciate uh, the fact that you, you invited me on to, to come on your show. Yeah, and so I'll give a little bit of background. Um, we recently met at the Podcast Movement uh, 2015 conference, and I, I heard your, your TEDx-style talk or PMX talk about podcasting, and I, and I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. And, and what connected or resonated with me is that you have a background as a DJ. So um, because that's something that I'm passionate about, I thought I'd start there. So just give us a little bit of background. You've been a, a DJ for quite a while or you were for uh, what, close to 20 years. Is that right? Yeah. As far as actual DJing, it's been about 20 years. I think I started in high school and I was inspired by my cousins, my cousin and one of my best friends. Uh, best friends who would be the life of the party. And, you know, I wanted to be that person who was entertaining other folks, making them dance. And, you know, it was the, the allure of the, um, the, the turntables, the techniques, 1200, which every DJ. <laughs> yes. I had, growing I had up, my pair. Yep. Yeah. Growing up in the eighties craves. And so you get those and you get started on your long, dark rabbit hole of buying vinyl records for the next 10 to 15 years. And it's an expensive habit if you're not getting compensated with uh, regular paying gigs. But it was a lot of fun. I mean, now that I think about it in retrospect, it's probably one of my first entrepreneurial uh, endeavors because uh, we started a little DJ crew and then we started doing parties, uh, started out doing high school parties and then uh, the high school dance and then just sort of moved our way up to, until then. And then most of the other folks dropped off and I just kept at it and kept uh, ha having a, a love and a passion for uh, specifically house music. Um, so I still have that, still have my turntable. So every now and then I pull them out. Yeah. So uh, just to clarify, because, um, you know, as a podcast, we have a wide audience of people and I think not everybody's going to be familiar with uh, house music per se, but to, to clarify, you weren't a like a wedding style DJ where you had a lot of vocals and and you played modern or uh, I guess top forty hits, correct? Yeah, I mean, I was really, I mean, from from the beginning, I was the I, I liked going to uh, nightclubs, and at the at the time when we were like fifteen or sixteen, there were these teen teenage clubs that go to that would serve any alcohol, but it was I was all about 
Uh, at that time, it was really freestyle music, which is what was pretty common growing up in the East Coast in, in New York. And then house music was literally just getting started. Um, so it was really, I, I would try to do those parties as much as possible. I think I did get roped into a couple of DJs, but uh, <laughs> definitely not my bread and butter. And it's not something where I, I really had that much of a good time because... Like you said, the music tends to be a bit more top 40, scripted, um, and you've got to do a lot of starting and stopping. Um, so at the end of the day, there's not much dancing that's actually happening. Yeah, yeah, just a, lo- a lot of uh, chitter-chatter and uh, it's oftentimes an empty dance floor. Um, but exactly. <laughs> part of the reason I ask that is because uh, you're a podcaster and you interview other podcasters, which is a, a very spoken word or a, a conversational style. Um, and that's not the style of, of DJ that you were. So I'm really curious as to how did you make the leap uh, from being a DJ, uh, oftentimes not with a microphone, uh, to being almost exclusively on the microphone? I guess if I had to think about it, there's probably a, um, a culmination of, of things that sort of led to that. One of the, the first conferences I went to in this podcasting digital marketing space was New Media Expo in Las Vegas in 2014. Mm -hmm. And I actually had an app built. It was a mobile app for DJs. It was called Know Your DJ. And at that time, my passion was, it still is electronic music. And I said, well, I'm going to build something that I'm passionate about because I I really think that's something important you should focus on. If you're going to do something, uh, a new endeavor, um, a new entrepreneurial, um, thing you're going to tackle, work on something that you're going to be passionate about so that you can work on it late night uh, through the weekends because that's really what it's going to take to get it over the hump. And that's mm-hmm. what I did with the, with the app. So I, I went to the conference thinking I was going to maybe start a podcast and interview DJs. And I was a fan of a podcast called Resident Advisor. And it was really um, a fascinating deep dive into the the, the lives of DJs, sort of like a, a peek behind the scene. Um, and it talked a lot about not only their music, but you know what inspired them. So that was really top of mind for me. But when I got there, something interesting happened. I, I saw a lot of podcasters um, giving talks. And one of the folks there made a comment somewhere along the lines of being a podcast junkie. Um, and at that time, I was doing a lot of research because I, I wanted to learn about mobile apps. And so I started downloading apps about uh uh, how to how to build a mobile app on a, a podcast about how to build a mobile mobile app, and so I started accumulating these on my phone, and they were sort of slowly crowding out my music podcasts, which is all I knew podcasts were when I first started. Mm-hmm. And so um, I said, "What if I interviewed these folks?" And sort of the the idea was born there. I, I hooked up with a, a friend, uh, someone that I met there by the name of Chris Murphy. I ran the idea by him, and he said sounded like a great idea, and when I came back from the conference, uh, as you are prone to do when you attend one of these things, you have a handful of business cards. And I reached out to a couple of people, um, and one of them being Chase Reeves, the host of The Fizzle Show, which is a, a really fantastic marketing podcast. And I said, hey, would you be interested in being my first guest? I'm going to start interviewing other podcasters. And he said, yes, give me a couple of, give me a couple of weeks to get started, which was fine because I had no podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I just said, well, I got to get this started. And I joined um, uh, a podcasting uh, group to help me figure out what, what are the ins and outs of what I need to do in terms of microphone and artwork and all those things that you have no idea where uh, what to do when you're getting started. And so some of those Facebook groups in the beginning helped uh, get my feet wet. 
um, and, and get my, my show started. And then one of the main things that they stressed was to have at least three to five episodes in the can. So I just proceeded to, to make myself as known as possible on, on things like Pinterest where I landed uh, um, Cindy Sanchez of also Pinteresting and then a couple of other folks in, in some other forums that really made up my, my first five to ten guests. So you moved directly from listening to podcasts from DJs uh, spinning music, correct, into, I guess, educational or conversational style podcasts because of the New Media Expo conference? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I thought at one point I was going to do both. I said, well, let me do this one because I felt like it was more accessible because the DJs that I wanted to reach out to, uh, I felt that they were going to be hard to get in contact with. And you've, you've got to go through promoters and agents, booking agents, managers, what have you, until you can get to, ha- to the ability to speak to the, to the folks that you want to connect with. And I think what I realized at the time is that as I had a, a better shot of getting some of these other folks on my show. And I think maybe in the back of my mind, I thought I'd get my feet wet with this podcast and I could always transition back to that podcast that I really wanted to do, the Know Your DJ podcast, right? which, which as of yet has not uh, been launched. Is that still something that's uh, in the back of your mind for the future? Yeah, obviously... Um, you, you may have had this happen already, but what happens with podcasters is once you start podcasting, then everything you touch or everything you see or everything you come in contact with becomes sort of like a good um, topic for a new podcast. <laughs> and you're just yeah. like, oh, I could start a podcast on this. I, I mean, at one point I was going to start one on productivity because right. I'm a big student of productivity, and productivity hacks. And I had a don- domain name that I was paying for and a website that I was <laughs> that I was hosting with no content. And, you know, there's no shortage of ideas. And I think um, over the, the past couple of months to a year, I've, I've really, really learned to, to eliminate a lot of the noise and focus on building um, the podcast that I have now, which is Podcast Junkies. Yeah, so that's a, a great segue. So tell us a little bit about how you came up with that. I know you mentioned that you you heard the term Podcast Junkies and that resonated with you. Uh, so what led you to a podcast interviewing other other podcasters as opposed to um, some of the other ideas that you had? How did you filter through and sort out and come to that decision? I think uh, it was born out of a natural curiosity for figuring out podcasting, right? Because I didn't know a lot about podcasting in general other than, than the, sh- the couple of shows that I listened to. And it the more I listened to podcasts, I, I really love them as a as an opportunity for you to learn a lot about a topic that you don't know much about. And so in my mind, I was trying to learn podcasting. So I said, well, let me start learning from people who I came to find out had been doing this now for a long time. You right. know, some of these some of these early podcasters that I had on had been podcasting since 2005. And I think I made a concerted effort to figure out how I could start having a conversation with those folks because it would be interesting for my audience because they get a little history and a background into people they may not know about because there's people just getting into podcasting now who don't realize there's people that were doing this a long time ago. And then for myself, you know, obviously it's a a, a bit uh, selfish there, but I, I asked a lot of questions about things that I wanted to know about. And then uh, as is prone to happen when you start interviewing podcasters and, and one important tip um, I can give the listeners is w- when you have a fantastic conversation with a guest, 
then nine times out of 10, they had a good experience, you had a good experience, and you can ask them you know, to recommend someone to be on the show or if they, they, they can think of anyone that would be a good fit given that they've already experienced uh, an hour with you so they, mm-hmm. they sort of know what, what they're in for and they can think of people um, that they can send your way. Yeah, that, that's really, really great advice. So as you were beginning to listen to podcasts, and I guess even now as you've gotten, um, was it close to 50 episodes under your belt, what has stood out to you? Because um, if you're like a lot of podcasters, including myself, at some point you end up with dozens of podcasts on your, your phone or your device, and then you start deleting stuff that's either not relevant or applicable, or um, as I would like to say, it's, it's not remarkable. It's kind of a dime a dozen. So what are some of the podcasts that have really stood out to you and stood the test of time um, over these past few years for you? And what do you think makes them stand out? I think, David, a lot of it has to do with where you are in terms of your growth. Um, and if, if we're talking about podcasting and you're trying to grow your own podcast, what is of interest to you as you grow your show? So for me in the beginning, I really wanted to wrap my head around the art of podcasting. So yeah. I needed to, I, I think I, I, you know, I didn't want to reinvent the wheel and I wanted to have in-depth conversations and casual conversations with people that had been doing it that I could learn from. So that, that's why in the beginning I spoke to people like, uh, John Lee Dumas. I spoke to people like, uh, James Schramko, who's a fantastic, um, uh, internet marketer based out of Australia. Mm-hmm. People like Greg Hickman, who had, um, is really a pro when it comes to, to mobile, um, people like Daniel J. Lewis of the Audacity Podcast. I spoke to um, Srinivas Rao, who has a, a fantastic uh, podcast called The Unmistakable Creative. He's really a really, really good interviewer. Um, obviously, I spoke to other veterans like uh, Dave Jackson and Ray Ortega. Because uh, it's funny that you <laughs> how you find out that there, there really is a lot of podcasts about podcasting. And yeah. I've, even, I've even, even found some new ones. Um, Eric K. Johnson's The Podcast Talent Coach. There's really a good podcast directed at women called She Podcasts, which I actually listen to. <laughs> yeah, it's, I've heard it, a lot of great things about yeah, that. Yeah, that's Elsie Escobar and Jessica Kupferman. Um, so I'm always trying to learn in the space. So that sort of category for me will always remain constant. That category of wanting to learn about the, um, the trade, if you will. You know, Dan Benjamin of the 5x5 Network has got a podcast called Podcast Method. And then um, the folks from Copyblogger have um, the Rainmaker dot fm platform and they've got a podcast called showrunner yep. which is uh, jared morris and johnny Nastor of hack the entrepreneur so you would think that there'd be a lot of repetition across these shows but what you find is that they each take their own spin on things and they approach it from their own perspective and they've been successful in their own way so um one of my little hacks is to actually listen to podcasts at 2x speed um and for most of the stuff, since it's really informational, um, mm-hmm. then, then you can get away with that. And I use Overcast. And it doesn't change the pitch, so it doesn't sound like the chipmunks. It just speeds it up. Um, and it takes some getting used to, of course. Uh, sure. the, first, the first time you listen at <laughs> 1.25, you feel like you're going a little bit crazy. And, and you really can't do anything else besides listen to the podcast when you start listening to them um, that fast. Uh, so then as that was happening, I started listening to other sorts of shows. Now, I... One thing, one category that I've been attracted to recently is storytelling, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of that comes from the the NPR group of podcasts. So shows like Ninety Nine Percent Invisible, 
Um, there's a show called Mystery Show. Um, obviously, Startup was really popular mm-hmm. um, from Gimlet Media. And Mystery Show is part of that network as well. And then there's a show called Nocturne that I, was, uh, I came across a couple of months ago. I just interviewed Vanessa Lowe from that show. Nocturne, um, along with five other podcasters, created a collective called The Herd. And I actually just released today an episode with uh, Robert McGinley Myers of Anxious Machine. I'm really fascinated by the level of detail and attention they put into their shows. Some of these record episodes only once a month. And it's really um, interesting and a complete shift away from some of these other uh, entrepreneurial podcasts. And it's almost like the two worlds exist independent of each other because when I ask a lot of the storytellers about the entrepreneurial podcast, even someone like a Pat Flynn or John Lee Dumas, they might know who they are and you know sometimes they have no idea who they are, which is funny um, when you're in that entrepreneurial space, you think everyone <laughs> knows yeah. who, who uh, you know Pat Flynn and John Lee Dumas is, but uh, it's really a small world and a small bubble that we live in. And likewise, you know, the, the people on the entrepreneurial side are just focused on tips and tricks on, on how to grow your show, how to market your show. Um, so I'm, I'm really trying to broaden the range of it. And I think the fact that I have a podcast that allows me to speak to podcasters is really fascinating because I'm increasing the, um, the awareness of the show to the point where I'm starting to get some really, really interesting guests um, coming on and, and some more folks from the Radiotopia family um, mm-hmm. are scheduled to come on the show. I, I am hopefully, fingers crossed, going to be having Helen Zaltzman on from The Illusionist and just other um, hosts that, in my mind, are pushing my, um, my abilities as, as a conversationalist and as an interviewer and as a host and that's sort of my challenge to myself as well. Like if, if I felt like I was in a rut and I started um, repeating the same format over and over and, and people weren't getting value, then I'd, I'd feel like the, the show had uh, hit a wall. So I, I don't want that to happen. And I make it a conscious effort to put myself in situations where I'm uncomfortable. Even that, that TED, TEDx style talk you heard mm-hmm. me give at PMX. I mean, it was only 10 minutes, but obviously I was, I was a bit nervous getting started and I was revamping the content of the, of the talk, even like that same morning <laughs> with, yeah. with my, uh, with my roommate. I was like, well, I went through a couple of variations of, of what the show would sound, of what that talk would sound like. And that was only 10 minutes. And then later on during the conference, I also, um, participated in a workshop with Leah Tao of the, of the podcast Strangers. And uh, she asked people who wanted to volunteer to go up on stage and tell the story. And again, I did that. So I think the consistent thread has been looking for opportunities where I can stretch myself and grow, um, grow my show and grow my own skills as a host. And, and the only way to do that is to put myself out of my comfort zone. Yeah, that's great. And you've, you've dropped a lot of uh, names in there and I'm going to do my best <laughs> to make sure they're listed in the the show notes for people that want to go exploring and check out because that can uh, that could take several days to get through and listen to some of those. Um, let me change the, the direction just a little bit and move into how you're building your audience. And before that, what is the ultimate purpose of your podcast? Is this an art or, or craft for you or is there a business goal behind the podcast? I think uh, 
I think at the beginning, obviously, like everyone else, I thought, you know, I, I, since I was talking to a lot of entrepreneurial podcasts, that was sort of top of mind. And so I, I did all the, the things you should do when you're, you're trying to monetize your podcast. You have a lead magnet, you collect emails, and then you um, try to sell a product and <laughs> you try to figure out how to get a sponsor. Right. And I think, I, I think maybe in the beginning I was too focused on that and I was a bit haphazard with the release schedule of the podcast. And then I sort of had a shift because I, I realized um, I was starting to change the the um, the folks that were coming um, on the show, um, you know, the types of guests that I was having. And I think uh, I made a conscious effort to be a more consistent with the show and be um, a bit of a stickler more in terms of the, the quality and how I wanted to present um, the story of the the guest that I had on. So it really moved to, to less of a focus on monetization um, and, and really growing the listenership. And, and in a way, they sort of go hand in hand. But I think if you it's sort of, you know, put the cart before the horse, I think you have to really focus on developing a quality show and something that you're proud of. And I think over time, the, the listenership will grow. The fans will come and, and you want people to have an experience when they first hear your show. Um that it's something that they really like and they'd really resonate with. Um, and that's really what's been happening lately because I have long conversations. I mean, these are not just, you know, half an hour Q and a sessions where I'm blasting through, you know, the, the same 10 questions over and over. I really try to make them as conversational as possible. And I want folks who listen to feel like they're having, uh, or they're taking part in a candid conversation with some of my guests because, um, it's been said before, but I mean, sometimes the, the best part of, of a, of a conversation or of an interview comes 15 to 20 minutes to a half, to a half an hour in. And that's what I've been cognizant of. And that's why I, I, I don't put a cap on how long the, uh, the interview is. So sort of like to, to get back to your question, I think the focus right now is to build a quality show. Um, and I think as a result of that, I'm already starting to have uh, a couple of one-off conversations with sponsors. And I think sponsors um, are going to be more interested in a quality show that's interesting, that has interesting guests, and that um, you know, you're sort of building a buzz around. Yeah, so as your um, – and I guess let me back up just one more step is – is a software, are you a software developer is building your app and everything, your day job and podcasting on the side, or are you building a podcast as your primary business? No, um, I still have my uh, day job, which is it consulting. Okay. Okay. And, and so I've been doing that for, well, that and a variety of other things for the past uh, 20 years. So, having that job has afforded me the luxury of building out um, a podcast at my own pace. Yeah, that's great. Because, because if it was something where I felt like I had to monetize it to, you know, pay the rent or put food on the table, I can't imagine the level of stress that that would um, cause. And, and, and I think there's some folks that are out there that are in that camp because I think people have put all their eggs in, into the podcasting basket without having a backup plan because they may have gotten the impression that it's easy to monetize. And, I mean, from my experience, it's it's not easy, um, and it's something that takes a lot of work. And and I've I've heard you know numbers that have been thrown out in the past in terms of how long it takes to to build a new project or a new endeavor. And and, and folks say you know sometimes you need to give this anywhere between three to five years before something can really take off, before it really gains traction. Um, that's not to say there aren't cases of people who have been very successful with their podcast 
in a shorter amount of time. But I think those are the exceptions. So for me, it's been important to, to, to have um, my main job and have this more as a, a hobby and a, and a passion project. If it grows into something bigger than that, then that would be fantastic. But I'm, I'm, it's really afforded me the luxury to, to take my time with it um, and really focus on the quality of the show as opposed to figuring out how I can quickly monetize it. Yeah, and I think that's um, a great piece of information to uh, pull out for the listeners here is that we, we do see a lot of overnight successes and some of them uh, are literally overnight successes where they launch something and it happens. And a lot of those overnight successes are 10 years in the making where they've come from another avenue, whether it's radio or like you said, NPR and things like that. And they're just moving into a slightly different avenue. But I also think it's, it's interesting to hear, um, you know, for the listeners to know that you're not stressing about the financial side and, and rushing to, to grow your numbers and, to focus on the numbers, but mostly focusing on the product and the end result. And I think that's really important to hear what, um, so you, you, you have a day job and you've come from uh, a DJ background. What do you think you've taken uh, from those as far as marketing and, and customer service and, and serving people and what, what are those aspects have you brought into your podcast? So I'm, I'm a student of, um, in general of like learning as much as possible about something that, that, uh, I, I get myself into and digital marketing is no different because although I, I worked in marketing departments in the past, digital marketing as, as you're well aware of is its own beast, right? There's a whole set of challenges that are inherent with trying to market something online and there's a whole different set of rules. So I, I had a, a one-off coach in the beginning. And then more recently, I, I joined a, a more formal coaching program, program where I've, I've learned a lot about uh, the importance of marketing, uh, marketing in the right way, marketing in an ethical way, um, and just sort of different things you can do to build up your, your brand. And so as a result of that, I think... Um, for me, I've, 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 I'm a student of productivity. You know, I'm a student of uh, efficiency. I'm, I'm a big fan of creating standard operating procedures, um, and it's probably a bit of my OCD nature where I, I like to have things written down. So I do have a virtual assistant in the Philippines, and that she that helps me with a lot of the the behind the scenes work related to the podcast. And I've tried to instill a lot of those um, SOPs or standard operating procedures in place so that a lot of it can run um, without me being there from a day-to-day basis. And obviously, 50 episodes in, we sort of get into like a well-oiled machine. You know, I, I, I know ahead of time what I need to ask of my guests, be it artwork or, uh, or a bio or even something like a, what, you know, what's your Skype ID when I'm setting up the, the scheduling tool. So I try to make sure if there's anything that's repetitive, or that can put a process in place for, I do that to make my life easier. Because at the end of the day, I still have my regular responsibilities with my job. So I, I really can't have the podcast be another 40-hour endeavor because there's just so mm-hmm. only so many hours in the day. So I'm, I'm, I'm always looking for ways to be more efficient. And I'm, I'm always trying to learn uh, different things I can do to market the show. And I've tried a, a variety of different ways, some successful, some not. So I'm really active on... Uh, Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook with each, with each episode. 
I make it a point to, to communicate with guests and give them an easy avenue for them to share the show. Um, and then I'm, I'm creative with um, doing the episode episodic artwork. So I, I tag them in that. Um, and, and I also just try to make the make it as, as fun and as engaging as possible every time there's a new episode out and sort of make it like a, a mini event every time that happens. Yeah, that's great. So um, if you could tell us a little bit more about what you think is probably the most effective thing that you've done uh, to build your audience and get the word out there. Anything, anything specific? Yeah, I think uh, I don't know that I can point to one specific thing if I think about it. I think it's really a lot of little things um, because at the end of the day, you can't pick where your audience is is going to find you. You don't have that luxury. You have to sort of be everywhere, but be ever, be everywhere in a strategic fashion. Now, obviously, you're not going to learn and master all the social media platforms in one shot. So, <laughs> right. so, so, so just pick one and deep dive. So, for example, go deep on Twitter. You know, go deep on Twitter for one month or three months and really learn everything you can. Be... Um, build up that audience. Um, when you share uh, posts, when you share episodes, go out of your way to find out what your guest's Twitter handle is. If you're referencing an article, go out of your way to find out what the magazine's Twitter hand- handle are. Put in a relevant hashtag. Put in the right link to the episode you're 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 linking to. Like I said, I touched upon it earlier. I'm a bit OCD about this stuff, but I'm, I'm going to take the time to post something on Twitter. I'm not going to just casually say, "Hey, go read this." And then make the the person reading the tweet work that much harder to find out what it is I was talking about or who I'm referring to. You know, just leverage the fact that some of these things can be viral in nature um, and just get the most bang for your buck for things like like a Twitter post. And then after that, branch out into something like Instagram. It's obviously a visual medium, a lot of pictures. And that's one of the reasons I tell people to use um, unique artwork for every single episode because it's, it gives you an opportunity to post on a regular basis on on Instagram. And the fantastic thing about that, I think uh, last time I checked, it's about 2,000 characters that are allowed on Instagram. So basically what I do is I repurpose my show notes and I put them on Instagram. And then again, I do the homework. I look for um, my guests on Instagram if they have a handle, because a lot of times it's going to be different from what's on Twitter. Find it, tag them on there, um, put relevant hashtags on there as well. And make it as engaging as possible. Um, each, each platform has its own core audience and each platform has its own fans. So that, those are two examples from a social media perspective. And another thing that's been helpful for me in terms of um, networking and making new friends in the podcasting space are live conferences. And obviously, you know, you and I can attest to that as a result of a podcast yeah, movement. Absolutely. But it happened with New Media Expo. It happened with Podcast Movement last year. It happened, it happened with New Media Expo this year. Um, it's happened with meetups I've had here in Los Angeles. And, you know, I go out of my way to be around uh, other podcasters in um, a live forum whenever I can. Because for me, that's important. And I think a lot of people um, think that you know they're not going to get a lot of value out of them, but this year I really made a concerted effort. I had T-shirts made, and they're bright yellow and obnoxious, and <laughs> they were <laughs> they were definitely seen roaming the halls of podcast movement. Yeah, I mean, you make a fantastic point about the conferences, and um, yeah, what I've found coming out of the conferences that, uh, and I think this will be some helpful information for everybody that's listening, is that 
occasionally you're trying to build an audience uh, geographically, uh, so near you where you are. So a lot of people are building businesses um, within a confinement of how far they can get to in a, a meeting or an event. Um, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but occasionally you need to get out and, and travel and, and get to a, a larger audience. And I think that's what was really beneficial for me to get to the podcast movement, to find a group of people who are passionate about podcasting instead of um, trying to dig through the weeds uh, in Eastern North Carolina or Central North Carolina and trying to find a small group of people. Um, it was nice just to, to end up at the conference and have a thousand podcasting fans all around you, um, regardless of, of location. So that was, as you mentioned, extremely beneficial to me. Um, I was curious, do you go out of your way to pick or select guests based on the audience that that will connect you with? Or are you more focused on finding the people that you just want to interview? Yeah, it's funny you asked that. that that's a, it's been a hot topic lately. Um, Chris Brogren talked about it recently um, because he, he was being hit up by um, a podcaster whose podcast he was on. And the guy was sort of being a bit of a nag in terms of saying, hey, don't forget, you were on the show. Make sure you <laughs> promote me, <laughs> you promote, should be, me. promote me, promote <laughs> me. And it sort of really rubbed him the wrong way. And he sure. spoke about it on Facebook. And then Srinivas Rao made a post about it um, on Medium related to that. And I think um, if you're going to go after a guest simply because you want some sort of um, influencer up, uh, effect based on, on their popularity, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really think it's going to happen. Um, and for, for myself, for my show, um, since I've always wanted people and listeners to feel like it's a conversation between two folks who know each other or have at least have some sort of connection um, prior to, to coming on the show, Typically what I do is I'm, I, I get a lot of my guests from you know, meeting folks in person or as a referral or because I'm a, a super fan of the show and I've listened to the show so much that I can get um, into a conversation with them and, and really have a ton of stuff to talk about because you know, I, I really uh, know the, the guest really, really well. So I think the advice that I'd give for folks that are doing an interview-based podcast is you know, A, go out of your way to find people that have not been on shows um, and just do a little bit of homework to find out what it is about that person that you find interesting um, from a conversation standpoint, not from a popularity standpoint. If the first thing you do when you book a guest or uh, have a, uh, a guest you're looking up to as a potential guest is look at how many you know followers they have on Twitter or how big their Instagram following is, then you're really uh, going at it the wrong way because... I've noticed even, you know, with some of my bigger guests, I mean, they, they don't share a lot because they just, you know, they're really doing you a favor by coming on your show. So you, you shouldn't try to ab abuse that, um, that uh, privilege that they gave you to, to come on. And I think um, go at it from a sincere perspective of wanting to connect with the person. Regardless of whether they share your show or not, your objective should be to have that person on because you really, really, really want to talk to that person. You really want to have an in-depth conversation. Um, and you really want to try to go somewhere that that person hasn't gone before so they don't feel like, you know, this, this person is just going through the motions with me and they're just trying to use me for my um, my my influence. Yeah. And I, I'm along the same lines and I, I agree. I think people can tell when they're being used or or when they're really and truly valued. So um, I also recommend trying to do your best to to see how you're 
either um, looking for expert advice and information or to build your craft or to add value as opposed to just using somebody as a, a, cheap, a, a cheap gimmick uh, to promote your show. I think people can tell. Um, yeah. and the listeners can tell as well. Um, and I think it comes across as a little bit fake. Um, one thing I'd also like to know from you is I'm uh, for myself personally and also for the listeners here is, is what have you found that just doesn't work? Um, we, I think there's no shortage of people in the digital space uh, that are building a brand or their own business with false information, or maybe they read something somewhere. And so they're just repeating it. Um, what have you tried as far as uh, building your brand and your audience um, that, that just hasn't worked and that you've either stopped doing or you're reevaluating whether you're going to continue to do it or not? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example of something that really, really bombed or hasn't failed. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of the person who, who tries different things. And maybe, you know, the fact that there's not a, a, um, a big sponsor on the show yet is a result of me not having reached out far and wide. I know people do this and they have great success. And, and a lot of times, um, it's just a, a function of not being afraid to ask. And I've had people, I've heard of friends that um, have gotten sponsors simply because they heard someone on a, on another show and they said, Hey, obviously if you're, if you're on a podcast already, then you're prone to, to advertise another podcast. And then they've prepared a letter and they said, um, I heard you the, on this show and, and I thought you'd be a good fit for my show. So I think I haven't done as much of that as I probably should. And it's something I'm going to, I'm going to be looking into. Um, the other thing I tried was I, I tried repurposing content. Um, so I've taken the first 25 interviews and I created an ebook. It's a, it's a Kindle book. It's $2.99 on the Amazon store and it's called Around the Podcast Campfire. So I think I probably could have done a better job marketing that. And there's tons of blog posts on how to actually do that the right way. Mm -hmm. But I think um, since I was holding on to the book for such a long time, I actually had it done and I, I was trying to wait for the right time to market perfectly. And before I knew it, three months have gone by and I said, man, I just got to get this book out. So <laughs> yeah. I sort of rushed, I sort of rushed it out the door and, and it sort of landed with a bit of a thud. But I think over time, um, it's, it's, a, it's a nice calling card because I, I put it on my website now. Um, and it was a nice way to, to reach out again to my past guests. So it, definitely a lesson learned there. And I'll probably continue it with every 25, just, uh, go back through the content and, um, you know, repurpose it and package it in a way that sort of uh, tells a story. So that book, um, each chapter covers a specific topic like social media, like uh, uh, podcasting equipment, like the importance of networking. So um, wherever there was comments made by a guest on that specific topic, then those were pulled into that chapter. So it was actually a lot of fun, a nice trip down memory lane for me to, uh, to revisit some of that stuff. But uh, it's just one of those things that um, serves as an example uh, for you to to keep trying things because um, especially with repurposing, you know, there's, you have content really already out there. Mm -hmm. A lot. I know some podcasters repurpose uh, episodes into blog posts, and I know blog. You know, I know now there's guidance being given for bloggers to repurpose blog posts into podcast episodes. So it probably yeah. goes it probably goes both ways. But just you know, try to be as creative as possible with content that you already have. Yeah, that's great. And I'll definitely include a link um, to that book. Uh, that sounds that sounds really interesting. Um, now, one, a couple other questions here before we wrap up. Um, do you mind sharing with us any, any, and I think you talked about this 
at the podcast movement during your talk, but um, any major goofs or uh, big faux pas that, that you've made that were somewhat embarrassing, but maybe turned out okay in the long run? Yeah, I think a lot of it is around missteps uh, of a beginning podcaster. Um, I've recently had, uh, I, I try to, I, I have to do a lot of uh, traveling sometimes for my job. So I do interviews on the road. Uh, I recently, for, you know, I just, I forgot my, my, my charger for my MacBook, and since I'm, I record through. Um, right now, I'm using a Zoom H5 as my sound card, mm-hmm. and so I, I, I can get good quality sound on the road. But um, it doesn't really do much good if you don't have any juice on your laptop. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's funny, and I tried to do it anyway. And as the as the guest was speaking, I I was lit- literally staring at the battery counter, and it was like five percent, four percent, three percent. And the guy's talking. I'm like, finish your point, finish your point, please finish your point. And then it shut down. I was like, oh. Sh-. And and it, I thought it was really like the first time I had lost an interview. But I when I got back home, I found out that thankfully the the podcast uh, episode was still available. Um, and so I was able to recover that. But I, wow. I think every every podcaster at some point is going to have that that cherry popped of like losing, <laughs> having a, a technical uh, failure with an especially. And it's going to come uh, with an important guest, obviously. <laughs> Murphy's right. Law is going to kick in. The other thing that happened, and I think I touched upon it in the PMX talk, was the fact that um, I had a really, for me, one of my most important uh, interviews was with Brendan McDonald of the uh, producer for WTF with Mark Marin, mm-hmm. which, you know, th- th- another tip here is sometimes you just have to ask because you never know. I had heard him on The Wolf Den and the, that episode was about a year old and I literally just tweeted him, but I tweeted at, you know, Brendan McDonald, his, his Twitter handle, mm-hmm. uh, producer uh, McD, I think it is. And I said, and then I, and I tweeted though, you know, I included the wolf den and then he responded. He's like, Oh, thanks. You know, that interview that some of that information was a bit old. And I said, well, would you be interested in coming on? I mean, immediately the light bulb went off. I'm like, well, how about you come on my show? And he said, yeah, that would be cool. The thing I didn't know was this was <laughs> a week before the Obama interview. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, he's like, yeah, I'll be busy for the next couple of weeks. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I wonder what he's busy with. And, and so, vacation, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. What could possibly be more important than coming on my show? And so the Obama interview comes out and I'm like, whoa, like I'm never going to get this guy on. But true to his word, he, he did, um, a, you know, I, I followed up with him and I see he's still interested. And he said yes. And the day of the interview, I, I had forgotten because of the link. Uh, I use a service called Calendly. And it asks for the person's Skype ID and I had it and it was sitting in my calendar and then I'm sitting there waiting for him to dial in. I'm like, why isn't he called? Mm. And then he's like, pings me. He's like, are we still doing this? I was like, uh, <laughs> real big, especially like I was so nervous already with the interview. I, then I think I talk about like a range of emotions. I'm like super excited. And then there's like five minutes where I think he just blew me off totally. Yeah. And then I get, <laughs> su- you like, yeah. I get super depressed. And then, uh, <laughs> and then and then I realized that he had sent me his ID, so I should have pinged him before the call. So then I swing over to super embarrassment. And then I'm trying to get the, uh, and then we get up online. It's that, then that swings back over to super stressed out. And then, you know, finally I, I get into a bit of, um, uh, you know, just things smooth out a bit uh, into the conversation. And at that point, I just let him talk as much as he could. I wanted to maximize uh, the information he was sharing. So all in all, I got a lot of good feedback on that. I think it's episode 47. Um, and it, it was really like a big, a big win for me, for me as to be able to land someone of that caliber. And I think it's just um, a testament to 
um, how the show is growing. And, and so I'm looking to do um, things of that nature and going after bigger and, and better guests. Yeah, I've noticed, I think, um, in, in my perspective, I, th- I think there's just a lot of uh, grace and people are okay in the podcasting space because so many podcasts are either done by one person or a small, very, very small group of just two, three, four, five people. Um, and so we all have our hands in the mix and on the technical side as well. So, and we've all messed up. So I think <laughs> it's a very generous and giving platform, uh, with, without a lot of egos, um, that I found. So there's a lot of room for, for error and people are okay with that. And I think that that really, that goes a long way into bringing in more people and making it okay for people to, to just get started. Yeah, the community is very forgiving. Um, it's very helpful. And, and, and to your point, I mean, I, it's really something that's been um, that I've noticed uh, about the podcasting community in general is we all like to help each other um, out. And it's the rising tide lifting all boats analogy. Yeah. Is there um, a particular podcast or a person you've run into that that you feel like stands out just above and beyond everybody else as far as adding value to you specifically, you know, any other podcasters out there that have, have done a lot for you? I mean, just, um, people that are in, in my space that I'm close friends with. I mean, I had someone on recently, uh, for my 50th episode, Chris Cerrone. He now has a co-host, Lacey Ursiroli. They have a show called the Cerrone show. He started out, um, about the same time that I did and he's rocketed to, uh, you know, millions of downloads, um, and he was the one of the listeners early on to the first episode I put up on SoundCloud with with Chase Reeves, and he said, "I really like that conversational style. I think you're you're going to have a really really good show." And he then proceeded to come on my show. We spoke for an hour and a half, <laughs> and then I wow, went on his yeah. yeah I went on his show, and then we spoke for like an hour. And he's been a good friend um, and always supportive of of things that I'm doing. But it's just that community is 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 really really good. Um, and I've just met a lot of good friends as a result of having the podcast. Denny Cray, another friend of mine, has a podcast called Diz Runs. And, you know, I sort of connected to folks where we've all started around the same time and, and we're roughly at about the same number of episodes. I um, mean, we just keep tabs on each other and keep pushing each other higher. Yeah, that's great. Um, and this is probably might be a difficult question to answer, but if you had to delete every single podcast that you're subscribed to what's the one that would still be on on your your podcast if you had to get rid of all the rest what's the one thing that you can't go without yeah i mean especially for someone who's uh <laughs> who's a podcast junkie right i mean it's yeah. um I, I think one of the things one of the one there's there's some marker that talks about killing your darlings and it's you sort of like trim the fat and mm-hmm. and really think about um what are the ones that you get the most value of i mean they each all serve their purpose. I'm mean, I'm a big fan of uh, 99% Invisible. Um, I've been really digging uh, Mystery Show. Um, I think some, you know, it it, it, has, it has to be really the sweet spot. If if it had to be one, it would have to be high in production value, high in motivation, motion, mm-hmm. motivational content, and inspiring. Um, and I'm like scrolling through, and I'm trying to see like which which one of those. Um, really motivate me because you know there's there's different parts of the brain that i need active at certain times sure, so sure. some of it is right side so some of it is left side but you know obviously the i think um maybe if i gun to my head maybe 99 percent invisible yeah that's got uh, some of the educational component as well to yeah. uh to keep to keep learning 
Although um, WTF with Mark Maron is really one of my new favorites from an inter- from an interviewer perspective. Yeah, it's an interesting combination of the interview and humor um, and fascinating people all, all mixed together. Yeah. Um, what if I say the word remarkable? What do you what what comes to mind? Um, and it doesn't have to be necessarily about podcasts, but what do you as you go throughout your your day or your week? Uh, what what stands out as being remarkable that you interact with? Uh, kind-hearted people, you know, and, uh, people who I see in my day-to-day life who go out of their way, um, to make, you know, someone to brighten someone else's day, whether that's, you know, paying it forward, um, or being overly gracious with a homeless person. I think people that do things that help me put my life into perspective, Hmm. Um, because that's a, uh, something that I constantly need to be reminded of. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, if our episode doesn't go up, it's not like we're, we're saving lives here. Um, right. you know, it's, it's, so I, I think, you know, people that do good things in general, just really, really, um, grab my attention, kind hearted people and, uh, people that treat other people, um, you know, like golden rule, like you want to be treated. Um, and you know, you see that sometimes in the podcasting space and you see, you know, I see it sometimes just on the street and, you know, no one specifically jumps out in mind, but occasionally I, I, I see, um, you know, good deeds and it, and it really like resonates with me because I think that we need, we definitely need more of that in this world. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that's what we see, uh, oftentimes on social media that goes viral is, are those episodes or posts where people really go out of their way to be generous and, uh, and kind to someone. And I think, I think you're absolutely right. That goes a, a really long way. Um, do you have any advice um, before we cl- wrap up here um, for podcasters, whether they're new podcasters or they've been going at it a while based on your experience and you've talked to so many different great uh, podcasters already, any advice for being remarkable and, and finding their, their niche or their voice? Yeah. A lot of times you may not discover what your voice is until you've been doing it a while. And I, I can't say that I was clear about the direction I wanted my show to take uh, on episode one. I'm a bit clearer uh, at episode 50 and I'll, I'll probably be even better at 100. But even at episode 500, I mean, one of the one of the things Roman Mars talked about in his keynote at Podcast Movement was that you should constantly be improving. It's almost like each episode is an experiment um, and with each experiment you should tweak something that moves you forward um and so move yourself out of a comfort zone um please don't create a podcast that sounds like every other podcast on there please don't have it end in preneur or (laughs) or on fire that's great (laughs) yeah that's great um because there's plenty of that already um and create your own category you know and you know, if you think you've niche, niched down um, already, then give it another, you know, hack and niche down even further. <laughs> you know, there's so many. I I I saw heard a podcast the other day that was just about the movie career of Val Kilmer. So I mean, wow, yeah, that's that's pretty narrow. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, there's something you know, wherever you, you know. Whatever you can think of, um, there's an ability for you to add your own spin because, David, you and I could be doing the exam- 
same exact topic from a podcast perspective, but because of your unique life circumstances, where you were born, where you grew up, where you went to school, you know, the sports you played, the, the, the organizations you joined, who you married, like what part of the country you live in, where you've traveled to, we're going to tell two completely mm-hmm. different stories yeah. and, we, and we can interview the same 20 people and they're going to be completely different uh, interviews because, you know, we're going to go down different rabbit holes with those people. So just embrace what it is about you that makes you different and share that with your audience. And, and the people that do resonate with that are going to be your true fans. That's fantastic. So I hope you enjoyed that deeper dive. New listeners, I think, will have received a bit more insight into my thought process around the show and what is inspiring me lately and a snapshot in time of where the podcast is, where Podcast Junkies is and is planning on going. So I think it, uh, although I am on a lot of shows and, and being a, and asked to be on, not a lot, but um, several shows, I, I don't plan on releasing them all under the Podcast Junkies Elsewhere uh, series. I think I hand select those shows where I feel like the host is taking the show seriously. I feel like they're going to be around for a long time. And I feel like they, they really did a, a really great job of bringing out um, some interesting things about me. And uh, I, I use that as an example for folks that are listening as well, that are looking to get started or have their own shows. Um, I think David did a really good job there. So uh, thanks to uh, Cedar and Soil, who provides the intro and outro music. Podcast Junkies is a proud member of Podcastica.com. We've got a fantastic selection of shows. So head on over to the website, Podcastica.com, and see if there's one there that strikes your fancy. Uh, our, ep- our episode sponsor this week is Cast Source. And uh, one of the great things uh, about CastSource is that they've taken the service of transcription and what they've really tailored their offering specifically to podcasters. And so they're flexible in terms of the output that you want to provide. So if you want it to just be a HTML file on your WordPress site, then they'll do that. If you just wanted a raw text file, they'll do that. If you've got a format that's in, in Google Drive or a, a Word doc, and you need it to come and fit in that format every single time, they can accommodate that as well. So I I think um, I really like the flexibility, and I like the fact that it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. So they can can, uh, create a workflow that uh, fits you, and it's uh, usually 24 to 48-hour turnaround. Rates are extremely competitive. So give them a try. Head on over to podcastjunkies.com slash cast source. So this week's... um, podcast retention hashtag. I think we're going to go with podcast junk, uh, PJ elsewhere. Um, and so that's uh, something we, we may do on a regular basis so that we can tie in all these episodes together. And then the other thing that I mentioned at the top of the program was reading out some of the the tweets that I had recently. So I want to give a shout out to the following folks. Uh, Yo B1, who said, I'm listening to your interview with Shiny Bees. That was my interview with Joe Milmine. In my craft room by our barn while crotcheting. Very cool. If you remember during that episode with Joe Milmine, I also spoke, uh, we, we talk about a, a, a listener on her podcast who actually operates a train. And to my surprise, um, she responded back on Twitter 
uh, and says, Podcast Junkies, sitting on my train listening to Joe tell you about me listening to her podcast. Looking forward to your back catalog. How super meta is that, guys? Her name is Marguerite, um, and she goes by Greets75. So thank you so much. It was so crazy to to tie that all back together. Um, and the fact that anytime someone tells you that they're looking, uh, listening to the back catalog is really um, something I, I treasure and honor. So thank you, Marguerite. Longtime listener Patrick Keller says, uh, listening while closing down my music production and tech lab at school, parentheses work for the end of the year. Woohoo. Congrats, Patrick. And I'm glad you're enjoying the show. And thanks for your ongoing support on a regular basis. I think there was another tweet from my good pal Denny Diz, at Dizruns. Uh, and if you heard that click, that's Slack. That's interesting. I wonder if you did. Anyway, um, <laughs> thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Thanks for all the folks that are supporting the show on a regular basis. I um, I really appreciate it, and um, I truly honor the time that you spend with me. I really understand that there's a lot of podcasts that you could pick from, and so anytime you decide to spend uh, an hour with me listening to me, my guests, or other content that I bring to you, uh, like I did this week, um, I really really appreciate it so thanks so much again um tune in next week we'll have a new guest and uh, i'm really excited about some of the folks i've got lined up Uh, i'm still thinking about what we're going to do for episode 100 so uh, for those of you that have hit that milestone and if you have some ideas definitely shoot them my way and uh, i'm also excited about podcast movement coming up so you'll probably hear me uh, keep mentioning that so all that is really cool stuff but not as cool as you guys as you, as you specifically listening to, to this episode, I have a bad habit sometimes of saying you guys, you speaking to everyone in plural, when in fact, I'm actually speaking to you, wherever you are, I just want to say thanks and uh, a big hug and can't wait to meet you in person someday. Have a fantastic week. Mm-hmm.